What's going on, everyone? It's Adam Craig with Grand Sand Golf. This is our DFS preview for the 2021 US Open at Torrey Pines. Craig, this is a new DFS kind of podcast we revealed last week. But we're back. I think it was good reviews. We're, we're back for the US Open. Yeah, basically, I mean, the plan is to go through the DFS slate, uh, chat about it a little bit, uh, chat about picks we like, you know, general strategies. Yep. Um, we do have both of our, our picks and sleeper shows out on YouTube. Uh, so we're, we're going to try not to repeat too much what we've said in those. Also, our preview where we talked about the course, talked about that stuff. This is more, we're going to go through kind of, I think, more our construction, our strategy, our DFS, what we're thinking from a DFS perspective for this week. It's recording this on a Tuesday. It's a lot of time to get lineups in, but I'm excited. I'm excited for this week. Yeah, it's going to be good. Um, I mean, US Open always has its own little taste to it. Uh, It's going to be interesting to see how these guys try to attack the course. You know, sounds like Bryson's going full bomb and gouge. It'll be (laughs) interesting to see if that's a general strategy, general approach, or, or what we're looking at. Yeah, I heard that. Okay, brand new, Craig. We have a DFS Grandstand Golf Listener League out on DraftKings. The link is going to be below in YouTube. If you're listening on podcast, the link is in Discord. The link is in YouTube, so you're going to have to go over there to find it. We're starting out small. It's 100 entries total. So you're going to say $100. So I was like, yeah, just small Throwing stakes. it out there. 100 entries, $1 per entry, max one. It's Throw your best lineup in there. See how you do. I think, actually, I haven't even talked to you about this, but I think... It'll be good to kind of uh, look at the winner's lineup in this show for next week. In the DFS preview, we'll look at the winner's lineup and see how they did it, um, which I think will be interesting each week. So make sure to go to the DraftKings Listener League and enter your best lineup there. A quick recap from last week, Palmetto. Do we want to kind of quickly sweep that under the rug before? We yeah, I mean, on? I think it it is going to be quick. Uh, you know, the picks I had brought up, uh, or or the you know the plays at the different level. Matt Fitzpatrick was the one at the top. Uh, he did well. He was tied for tenth. But then yeah. I missed cut with with Glover, Lucas Glover, Bryce Garnett, John Pack. All missed cuts there. Um, so uh, fortunately, I, I mean, personally, I had a break even week uh, yeah. tournament long DFS, so it didn't hurt too bad. But uh, yeah, the picks were not the best. There was not many six of sixes out there last week. Mine were uh, Terrell Hatton, T2 was my high one. Then I went Keith Mitchell, Ben Martin in the mid range. They were miscuts. And I actually went Aaron Baddeley, who was a T44 mid sixes. I think he was Baddeley last week. Uh I didn't, I didn't end up rostering in those, so that might have been... I didn't do... I think I was net negative last week, but uh, Badly, who I talked about, only made, I, didn't, I didn't really roster him, so kind of regretting that. Well, and I mean, another thing, I think Aaron Badly actually was a, a top 20 or 30 or so at, uh, at the US Open last time he was at Torrey Pines, so, you know, it's all come full circle. It's come full circle. All the ones, we have one more range this week, um, all the ones I am playing, but okay, quickly, US Open at Torrey Pines South, we have the Farmers Insurance here every year, there's three on the South, one on the North for the Farmers Insurance, so just make sure if you are looking at stats there, to distinguish between the South and North course. Uh, typical USGA setup, Craig, what's the famous quote that you said, try not to embarrass golfers, we just try to reveal the best golfers, right? I, I mean, I have never heard that. It, it seems like sometimes they try to embarrass them, but, uh, no, it's there. I mean, I don't kind of know where they've ended up here now. Uh, they have in the past talked about trying to protect par. That doesn't seem to be, you know, they, they, they're more emphasized. The communication strategy, at least, is that they're trying to reveal the best golfers and, and kind of test all, you know, the, the entirety of the golf game. But I, I mean, I don't know if they're necessarily doing the best job of that with the way they're growing rough and, and narrowing fairways, I, I think it really does 
start to skew things too much towards long hitters, but that's another conversation for another day. But yeah. I, I, I do agree with you. I don't think we're going to have, you know, completely lost screens where Phil Mickelson is hitting it, chasing after it and hitting it before it comes to rest. Uh, but I think I think it'll be tough scoring. It's moved from a par 72 to a 71. Uh, it's long. I mean, like the yardage divided by the par, I think, is the longest course out there. Uh, so, yeah, it, it's going to be tough. And there's not going to be Kevin's bold prediction in our show was winning score six under. I think so. Yeah, six, so it, six under or lower. And that's aggressive. That is aggressive. I'd be kind of surprised if it went that low. But OK, general strategy for the week here, Craig. What are you looking for, you know, typical PGA week to US Open or a major championship, a little bit more entries? What are you what are you looking for for kind of just some general DFS strategies? Well, I mean, uh, the big thing to me is is they make I mean, first off, you have so many like the the entire top uh, of the world golf rankings are are playing essentially. Yeah. Uh, and so you get so much depth, which to me, I think does start to favor balanced lineups. Um, mm-hmm. I, I don't know, you know, sometimes I think in majors, we can kind of feel depending on players forms and whatnot, that we have tons of win equity in the top, you know, three, four, five guys. Uh, to me, that, that group feels like it's 15, 20, you know, like quite yeah. a few players who I, I think have a solid chunk of win equity. So, um, you know, I, I I'm going to be planning to go pretty balanced. I don't think I'm going to go too low with the bottom of my lineups. Right. Right. Uh, so that would be my big, my big thing here. And, and yeah, I, I don't, you know, the size of it, you do need to think about uh, just essentially more entries. So um, you got you have to get a little bit uh, more away from from just a bunch of, of all the good plays, all the chalky yeah. plays. Yeah. Um, but I, I also like to don't like to go too overboard in trying to be contrarian. Yeah, and I think remembering that there probably are DFS players or, or fantasy players that only play the majors. So they come in and they see kind of their, their favorite names down low. So in, when you get into low seven, some people that have been Adam Scott, Sergio Garcia, like the more recognizable names might just have a couple percentage bump because they are more recognizable, but maybe some more casuals. But OK, I want to hit you, Craig, with four trends here. The trends have been kind of tossed around Twitter from different sources, but I've kind of compiled a list of four trends for U.S. Open winners. OK, so last 10 we're all in the top 30 official world golf ranking at the time of their win. There's one for you. They had a top 10 within their past five starts. They had a top or 11 of the past 13 had a top 10 in a major previously. And 12 of the past 13 had a win in the past two years. But that one's a little bit trickier this year with the pandemic and all that. It's a little bit different schedule. So that's a little bit different, but something to keep in mind, top 30 official world golf ranking, a top 10 in a major, a win within the past five, uh, two years and a good result, a top 10 in the past five starts. And that's how many U.S. Open winners? I think to cover that entire list, I think that's 11 of the last 13. I think Lucas Glover and Webb Simpson, I think, are the ones that don't have all four checked. But uh, yeah, kind of interesting. And I, I have looked at lineups where you can fit six guys all within the top 30 official world golf ranking. Is it my favorite lineup? I don't know, but it's it's interesting. Like you said, that balance. So yeah, I do think the balance lineups definitely have some traction this week. You take away, you know, the Brysons, the Roms, the DJs that are high priced and also have their own question marks um, and get down to guys like Xander and Hovland and Reeds and Finals. And I think they have, you know, maybe one or 2% last chance of winning. But like you said, if you isolate the top six and they only have collectively a 25% chance, 
then yeah, try to get someone that's in that 75% chance that could could win. I think I think that's what I'll be doing with a lot of lineups. Yeah, I mean, the uh, I, I never like to get too into the kind of rattling off of commonalities between winners. I just don't think it's it's really a great way of trying to project into the future. I think it, it's it's an interesting way of trying to look at who has won in the past and, and you know what they may have in common. But I mean, to me, what I would like to know is, so if we're talking about the top 30 in the world, yeah. what is the, you know, what kind of win equity are we giving to the top 30 in the world versus the next, you know, 100 and... 120 players in this field so if the top 30 in the world have 75 percent of of the win equity then that's not entirely surprising you know Uh, and same like if we were to look at all of the players who have a win sometime in the past two years and see what kind of win equity they have so essentially it's kind of like a a a selection bias a confirmation bias I, i think you're kind of um I, I don't think it's super good at trying to project forward. Yeah. I think it, it's more interesting to see what has happened in the past. I'm going to remember that when you pick Bobby Mack and Garrett Cagle, the lefties at Augusta next year, and be like, oh, I thought you weren't into this whole trend thing. But t- to me, that's <laughs> different because uh, I think Same that... Course. And I think Augusta, and it's not just the shape of, uh, I don't want to get too far into this, but I, I don't think it's just shaping the ball off the tee. But I think essentially... If you think about left shots, are you know if if a golfer pulls it, it's more likely to go deep. If they fan it, it's more likely to come up short. Augusta, in general, sets up better to shape the ball um, from the right to the left, yeah. uh, which is is more how uh, lefties do it, and it's easier to miss long and right and short and left than the opposite. So I, I just think that. Uh, I, you know, there's there's coincidences, <laughs> and then there's ones where like this starts to become trends, and, and you can use it to. And I, I'm not going to pick Bobby McIntyre to win, probably, but I think Oof. that I, I think likely that it I, I would bump him a bit based on being a left-hander. Yeah, a lot can happen in the next nine months or so. I don't know. We'll see what happens. Maybe maybe I will be picking him to win. Who knows? I think we're going to talk more strategy as we kind of go through this here. But do you want to hop into kind of players of interest? So we have each price range. Got five five price ranges. Do you want to hop into it? Yeah, let's let's do it. Uh, we're looking at uh, 10K plus first 10K off. plus. John Rom, Jordan Spieth, Dustin Johnson, Bryson DeChambeau, and Brooks Kepka. Big list, big hitters. What are you th- what what are you thinking here? Well, I mean, so so in terms of strategy, I'm likely not going to be spending a ton of equity up here. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I love John Rom. You know how much I. I think, I mean, I think John, uh, you know, we spoke about this on a preview podcast. I think all of us think John Rahm is probably the best golfer in the world right now. Yeah. Um, so I think he's well-deserving of the highest price. Obviously coming off great form at Memorial. He may end up in, in some of my lineups, but it, 11-2 is a very high price to pay for him. So, yeah. Um, I, yeah. What do you so think? So we have, what, five guys here? I know for certain I'm fading three of them. I, okay, I've already made my lineups. I know what I'm doing. I'm not going to beat around the bush here. I'm fading mm-hmm. three of them. I'm fading Spieth, I'm fading Bryson, and I'm fading Brooks. Yeah, I mean, Brooks, so Brooks is my one-and-done pick here. I, I, I don't know whether I'll get there in DFS just because 
with what he did at the PGA Championship and his U.S. Open record, I think he I think he's going to be popular there at ten thousand one hundred. And so I I just have a hard time trying to get on a popular Brooks when you can get some guys below him that I, I really like. And, and it's not that I really dislike these plays. It's more just that mm-hmm. there's some plays down there in the nine K that I would just rather have the savings and be able to do other things with the rest of my lineup than than spend up for these guys. Yeah, the only thing with John Rahm, it is great form. Great track record, all that. It does check the box. So I think he is the best. Like you said, we think he's the best golfer. But yeah, when you look at, okay, high nines, we've got Rory, JT Morikawa. I can make an argument against any one of those, really, that they deserve to be 10-5 or higher compared to the other guys here. Compared to Speed, compared to DJ, compared to any of those guys. Yeah, so Um, sorry. And you have DJ is not a fade for you? DJ's not. I got him. So I'm I'm low on him. I got 10% uh, exposure to DJ. Uh, But it's just kind of plain, you know, uh, the number one golfer in the world. Like I think he did show a little bit of form uh, last week at Palmetto to kind of show that he is in the right direction. I don't think he's there, but I, I'm willing to kind of give 10% allocation to one of the best golfers over the past 15 years. Yeah, for sure. I, I hear you. And then Bryson's uh, track record at Torrey Pines South is awful. I sent a tweet about that at Grand State Golf. You can check out his th- those stats. Um, but yeah, the, the person really of interest here is John Rahm to me. Yeah, I, I think so too. And, and I guess the, the one we're kind of glossing over here is Spieth. And to me, I just don't know. Like, I, I, it, It's sort of a fit concern for me. Um, he doesn't have a great record at Torrey. Uh, it doesn't seem like it fits him all that well. Um, and so having him as the second highest, second most expensive play to me, I have a hard time with that. Yeah. I think if you use nine, six, nine, eight, I'd probably have some shares, but second most expensive is aggressive, but he has incredible form, arguably the best form with eight top tens in the last 12, I think it was. Uh, but yeah, I agree with the fit. I agree with, uh, yeah. Concerns off the tee, a little bit concerns on the green, perhaps with POA. Uh, enough for me to find savings and, you know, plug in a Rory for $1,000 less. Yeah, and, and I think part partly is the Tory history. Partly, he's never been a great U.S. Open player. And I, I guess that is mm-hmm. an absurd thing to say because he's won a U.S. Open. Uh, I mean, DJ should not have given that one away. But <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a story for another day. But, you know, his next best finish is 17th. So it's yeah. not like it's not like Augusta Jordan Spieth, where basically right. we we chalk him into the top five if he's showing up there and he's not in you know a career defining slump. Even still, I think he showed up there when he was in his slump and and had some good results. <laughs> yeah, like his last Jordan Spieth's last five U.S. Opens, his best finish is thirty fifth. So that's where I I really struggle with. I, I understand the form he's in. I think yeah. you know certain courses I would be all over Spieth, uh, but at Torrey Pine. U.S. Open setup. I just don't love it. I do think that the, these greens are small. Obviously, scrambling will be have an emphasis this week. So I can see that. And I think it's a good contrarian spot if you do have a good, strong feeling towards Beath. Mm-hmm. But see, that's one of the ones where I think it would be a good, good contrary. It'd be a better contrarian play if it wasn't a major with more general public money in there than, than people who sure. are playing DFS golf week in, week out. Because I, I think... You know, yeah. I mean, Spieth has the popularity factor going for him. 100%. 100%. Okay, 9Ks, moving on? Yeah, let, let's move on. Okay, so we got Rory, JT, Morikawa, Xander, Hovland, Cantlay, and Reed here. Craig, who is sticking out as kind of the player of interest? 
Well, you know, I mentioned Rory in our picks show. Uh, he was yeah. my top pick there. I, I, I like him. But the one, you know, I don't want to get into him again. So the one I want to point out is Patrick Reed. I think Patrick Reed, maybe it's a maybe it's not very contrarian because he's coming off the uh, the win at uh, Tory mm-hmm. in in what it was in February, I guess. Um, I know that you are are throwing flack at his 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 win this year, saying that he really did it mostly on on Tory Pines North. Yes, um, and uh, you know I'm okay with that. <laughs> Sorry, my my. <laughs> Mouse decided not to work there. Um, but it, to me, it's a combination. So we look at his last four uh, Torrey Pine starts. 23rd, yeah. 13th, 6th, 1st. Yeah. And his U.S. Open last four, 13th, 4th, 32nd, 13th. So to me, you kind of put the both together. I, I just... It seems cheap at 9,000. Yeah, yeah. So I agree. So basically how I build my player pool is I have the entire field... I cut it from 150 to kind of like 50, 60 prime suspects. And from there, I really dive into the stats, dive into the course history, whatever is important to me that week. And I didn't know what I was going to do with Patrick Reed if I, if I was being perfectly honest when I started building. But he just kind of kept checking more and more boxes, you know, stat fit, history here, U.S. Opens. And yeah, he made quite a few of my lineups. Um, I, I do like it. And I think it is kind of cheap, really, to be honest. Yeah. Now, I, I I feel like the other thing with Reed is compared to the plays around him, he probably introduces more missed cut potential. Um, yeah, I think that's fair. Especially, you know, you look at his recent tournament. So even just say the last six. So this includes the Masters. He was eighth at the Masters, missed cut at Valspar. Sixth at Wells Fargo, 17th at PGA, miscut at Schwab, fifth. So, like, you yeah. get the high end and then you get miscuts at tournaments, you know, fields that he has no business missing the cut in. Yeah, and frustratingly for me, especially Showdown, for some reason, Showdown, I can get a read on Reed. Uh, hopefully, I can get a read on him. I know that was, that was good, wasn't it? <laughs> you like that one. Okay. Yeah. My, my player of interest. So, like you said, we're not going to repeat things from our pick show, from our sleeper show that. I had uh, Xander as one of our pick show, but the other guy I like is Craig. I know you like him too. Victor Hovland. Uh, do I have the right price in here? Is he 9,200? Yeah, 9,200. It just still seems cheap to you. <laughs> still seems cheap. Six starts in majors, all top 33 or better. And that's pretty impressive because two of them were his AMs. Uh, his US Open record is 12th as an amateur and 13th. So very good start to his major Sorry, career. Sorry, and 13th as a pro. 13th as a pro, yeah. Yeah. Uh, two top threes in his last four starts was second at Torrey Pines earlier this year when Patrick Reed won and his best putting performance of the year came at Torrey Pines plus 1.39 strokes in putting. I don't know if you want to, you know, maybe that's why he got second. I don't think so. I think it's this greens that he might be familiar with. I, I like to see that previous good putting here. I don't. Yeah. I don't the, one, the one thing I should point out, um, we don't have his putting stats for Mayakoba where he won. So, you know, right. his best one was that we have strokes gained putting stats for, was it the Farmers? Um, potentially could have had better at uh, uh, Mayakoba. We don't know that. Uh, you know, I, I mean, to me, yeah, you can say that he did well because of his putting. But basically, for these guys to get second in a tournament, you have to have a good putting week. Totally, yeah. He also gained over two strokes around ball striking. So, you know, that, that's what Victor Hovland brings to the table. Uh, he's just a stud. Uh, only only concern i have him with him from a dfs point of view is ownership but i i like him too much i like the value too much for me to worry about ownership so he's still giving me my plays i'll look for look for leverage elsewhere 
And I have noticed that our podcast keeps climbing the charts on in Norway. So big Victor Hovland fans, I'm assuming, <laughs> big Grandstand Golf fans. It just seems to be all meshing together, Craig. I don't know if it's... It's a Hovland's back at home. Well, maybe thank you for the, listening. Maybe it's uh, Chris Ventura's family. You never know. Maybe it was the yeah. Venturas. It might yeah. be the Venturas. Yeah. Ace Ventura. <laughs> Moving on to eights here. Yeah. I mean, you know, the one other thing I was going to ask you. So, you know, we've spoken. I want to ask you kind of how you feel about a couple of these guys. Sure. That we haven't spoken about. So JT, <laughs> Colin Morikawa. What do you think about those two? I really like Morikawa. Um I think so you don't worry about the the fact that distance is not it, no. is something that is more of a weapon at U.S. Opens and yeah, I I totally think distance is a factor at U.S. Opens, but uh, yeah, Bryson said in his press conference he's gonna have the exact same strategy at Wingfoot that obviously worked for him, but nobody hit fairways there. And Jordan Spieth said this in his press conference today a little bit is you hit the fairway and this runs right out into the into the rough. And they don't think, yeah, it's going to be, the fairies are going to be firm, but it's not going to be that crazy firm or with the dog legs where everyone's going to end up in the rough. So I think I am putting a little bit more premium on accuracy. And I think Morikawa is just super solid off the tee. Um, kind of what we saw a concession. Um, and then it just comes down to, if you think he is trending with his putter, when he putts well, he wins. <laughs> like yeah, yeah. It, it, His ball striking is absurdly good. Small greens. Best ball striker in the world. If he can, that's a bold statement. Where do you disagree? Best ball striker in the world. That's a. You say that's not a bold statement. I mean, I, I, it's not like he's. I, I don't think he's top five, or, or you know, he could be the best ball. It's just to to definitively say that he is. I mean, we got a lot of good ball strikers out there. Yeah, but he seems to be at the top. I mean, just looking approaching off the tee, he seems to be at the top for most measured units however long you want to measure for he seems to be at the top there yeah i mean it's it's just not i'm, I'm not saying it's a strong disagree for me i'm just saying that uh, to just stamp it without debate you know you could say <laughs> arguably the best ball striker in the world um so just real quick 35th missed cut in his uh, two u.s open start so um i, I i'm not saying i i like morikawa i think he's an absolute stud I don't know for sure if I'm getting there this week. I, I, I love where the ball's striking at. I think he, his TD Green game, if you look at the last however many weeks, uh, it's just on fire. Um, I just, uh, I'll have to decide whether I can, I can buy it. Like, yeah, he's essentially averaging two, two strokes on approach over his past four tournaments, uh, which is just bonkers. <laughs> um, and a, you know, almost, a, almost a full stroke off the tee. So, the ball striking's in a really good spot. It's just all, yeah, it's all really good. So JT, I mean, a twenty-four-year-old, do you just ignore the fact that he hasn't had the the U.S. Open? I mean, yeah. Bryson had no real U.S. Open success until he, he until no he went major out and won success, it. kind of no major success, yeah. I would say. Yeah. Um, JT, I think, is searching a little bit, and I'm not willing to. I really like Rory. I really like Colin. So JT just kind of was that he had you have to make cuts and he was yeah. a cut for me so i i think i i'm struggling with jt as well he doesn't yeah. have the best tory pines record he doesn't have the best u.s open record i mean he doesn't really ha- he's i think he's someone you could say has underperformed in majors generally um but because of all those things is he being slept on a bit that's what yeah. i don't know and so do i yeah. do i try to make a contrarian play there last one i want to bring up patrick cantley 
Okay. This is just turned into our, our, our live show pretty much. Okay. Well, it is. But I, I mean, especially at the top here, I think that all of these guys are kind of worth discussion. Yeah, yeah. But, I hear so you. Patrick Cantlay, uh, you know, the win that some people want to put an asterisk on last time we saw him at Memorial. He had been in the wilderness for a little while. Mm-hmm. Uh, he is a, a Southern California boy. Mm-hmm. He does have a lot of success on, on polo grass. Um, do you love the value? Do you think he's going to be absolutely jumped on by everyone? And and so you're you're kind of concerned about ownership at all? Um, here's here's just what happened. He's priced at ninety one hundred. I am a I'm a Cantley fan. I, he's <laughs> one of he was my boy at the start of the season when we talked about the guys that we were kind of keeping an eye on, and I would love to see him get his first major. But it's Morikawa. This is in terms of salary. Morikawa, Xander, Victor Hovland, Patrick Cantley, Patrick Reed, Tony Finau. I have all those guys and I can't have all of them. So Cantley was the one that didn't fit into the lineups I was making. So I'll, I'll be happy if he wins, but it's, it's not going to make me money. Yeah. So three starts at, at Tory missed cut 51st missed cut. Yeah. Um, I mean, Cantley has had a, a tumultuous career. So uh, the years that that has happened, I don't give, you know, there's some people where I'm like, oh man, like he shouldn't have those kind of results. But but with Cantley, I'm like, okay, well the first one he was, uh, you know, twenty. The the next couple, I don't know where in his back uh, issues he was. So I, I don't for look sure. as deep into that. Um, you know, four four U.S. Open starts, best finish twenty first. So you know, I think that for someone that we think has major championship game, uh, we haven't really seen it happen at, at a U.S. Open yet. Maybe this is the week we see it. Uh, I think, I don't know quite yet where I'm going to land. I definitely will be cheering for him if he's in contention. Um, sure. But from a DFS point of view, I, I haven't quite gotten there. Yeah. Okay. AKs. Here we go. AKs. So from our shows, Tony Finau is one of my picks. My pick to win. He's a one and done. Spoken about him at length. Louis Usaysen at 8,100 was one of your picks. Mm-hmm. So who is someone else in this range that is sticking out to you, Craig? I, I like Hideki. Hideki Matsuyama is 8,800. I think it's... Uh, so, you know, most of, the, most of what I'm looking at for this is is recent Tory or, or essentially Tory Pines history, U.S. Open history. But it, just every time he shows up to a major, he seems to be yeah. kind of top 30 at worst. Um, the ball striking is so good. I, I don't know if he's getting the attention that you would think someone who has one a major this year should be getting uh so that's that's interesting to me um yeah i, I really like hideki i think uh, similar maybe to colin morikawa the putter is is the wild card and i i think the ball striking the t degree game in general is in a good place maybe mm-hmm. not similar to morikawa he's hasn't been on you know scorching hot over the past four weeks but uh yeah. but still the ball striking has been good um everything hasn't really just come together for him, but I, I think the potential there is, is good upside, very, very safe downside. It feels like. I think there was a good argument being made that uh, possibly you have maybe some guy guys are a little bit more familiar with Poana greens um, and they might put them better kind of week in week out, but it, an argument that it kind of neutralizes the feel a little bit because the ball is going to bounce around a little bit, especially later in the day. Uh, so, for bad putters, it might bounce in, it might bounce out as per usual. Or for good putters, it might go in and it might bounce out. Like it's a little bit more up in the air. 
And I think I'd have to dive into Hideki a little bit, but I think he he does play these greens fairly well. I mean, compared to his kind of baseline as putting. <laughs> Uh, he does have a third here at Torrey Pines. So, yeah, I, I mean, I like Hideki as well. And I think he is being a little bit slept on. So last four U.S. I mean, the things I like to see, I mean, we, you know, we talked about it with Xander because it's absurd, his record, where he has not been outside the top six in a U.S. Open. But even Hideki, so last four years, second, 16th, 21st, 17th. It means that, like, he's not, you know, those are top I guess 20%-ish, 15%-ish of the field yeah. every time he shows up. That's pretty good. And then, you know, you get the, the times that he pops up there. Um, I just think that 88, I mean, I guess I'm saying that about a, a lot of these guys and you have to price people throughout, but I just like the value for Hideki at 88. Yeah. Okay. So some guy I'm looking at, player of interest for me in any case, Scotty Scheffler, 8,500. Uh, let's go with this, Craig. Arguably... The most accurate bomber off the tee, you want to say? Basically, he's top mm, 50. I give that to Victor Hovland, personally. Okay, that's fair. He's also my player of interest, so <laughs> you're, just, you're subbing in one for another. I don't really care. Uh, but he is top 50 in both driving distance and driving accuracy. I think that is, that is, a, that is a huge advantage. Distance mm-hmm. is an advantage. Accuracy is an advantage. He has both of them. He's coming off a third at the Memorial. His last four majors, he has top 20s in all of them, including top 10s at the PGA. Uh, he had to withdraw last year at Wingfoot because of the positive COVID-19 test. So he doesn't have that recent uh, U.S. Open experience. That's kind of unfortunate. I would like to see because those are also poor greens. It would be interesting to see how he did at Wingfoot uh, with the U.S. Open rough, USGA layout, all that kind of stuff. Um, but he does have good recent performances in majors. Uh, the blemish that I see here and perhaps why he might uh, be more of a wild card and obviously why he's priced down closer to average is I'm not sure about the Tory record and the West Coast uh, record as well. Um, I think he does and probably later in his career we'll have a game that kind of travels everywhere, but he is still young. Yeah, I mean, so first off, um, Scotty Scheffler actually is better in both driving distance and driving accuracy than Victor Hovland. So I would Ooh. say that you got me, <laughs> but when you look at all drives, <laughs> Hovland goes from 54th. So I think this is where like Victor Hovland really stands out because he he's fifth in strokes in off the tee, um, but he's 54th in distance. He bumps up to 25th when you look at all drives. So Whereas, explain driving distance and all drives. So driving distance is essentially, uh, you, you know, oftentimes it's two par fives or a par five and a long par four, and they'll take the distance on two holes um, yeah. every day for, so eight holes essentially through a four, a four round tournament. And that's a stat that we see all the time on broadcast. That's the most, that's the driving stat. distance stat that you see. Yeah. Driving distance, all drives is essentially the, uh, you know, the, sh- uh, shot link distance on all par fours and par fives what is that distance and then you average those out so i mean almost always that is lower um but then like for someone like hovland i guess he just doesn't bomb it out there he doesn't swing out of his shoes when when he kind of has those longer holes because you see his go from 301.1 for his driving distance only down to 290 298.5 um, for driving distance, all drives. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas a a um, 
uh, Scotty Scheffler goes from 3044, uh, so greater than, you know, further than Hovland on driving yep. distance to actually less than Hovland at 296.9. Now, that can also be decision making. Maybe Hovland's more more aggressive off the tee and, and yeah, hitting yeah, yeah. drivers where three would or, or iron come into play. But essentially, it, it, it kind of, I like driving distance all drives as a better indication of, uh, I think it's more accurate of, of how someone is as a driver of the golf ball. Yeah, no, I think that's fair. But anyway, right. Scotty Scheffler is still good. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't know. Like, I kind of had him as a, as a penciled in as a fade, but you're telling me some good info here. So I might it's, have to it do is miscut, miscut at Tory. Uh, so there's definitely concerns there. Uh, but he's just, it, I, it, one of those, you think about the leaderboard on Saturday, you think about it on Sunday, and you're like, yeah, Scotty Scheffler's in the mix, or and then he kind of maybe fades to a T12, you know? Like, that's kind of, I completely expect that, and I'm fine with that. At, eh, I'm not fine with it. I like it a little bit better, but that, I'm okay with it. Like, it seems, it seems both a little bit safe and a little bit upside. Yeah, the other thing, I mean, Will Zalatoris is right above him, I think. Yes. Will Zalatoris, you know, I'm a huge fan of him, um, but he is been high profile over the last few months so he will soak up ownership um so potentially a good pivot there the yeah wills and webb simpson both right right between hideki and scheffler um i actually think there is a this might bite me in the ass a little bit but i think there's a huge drop off 85 and down i I put scotty scheffler i put a big line so see that's where i had i hadn't been i'd kind of been penciling my drop off at will zalatoris but i i have not done my deep dive on on scheffler yet so but then i just have question marks with Berger, with hatton with connors and then we get to your boy louis who is there's no question marks there (laughs) sweet swing and louis who's Jason. um any of those you want to make a comment on Corey connors um I, I agree with you. To me, I think that somewhere in the mid eights, it feels like there's drop off. Uh, Berger has played well on Oa. I don't know. Only won Pebble Beach this year. Yeah. You know what? When, when I was doing some more Berger research, it seemed pretty. Uh, he won Pebble Beach, but it didn't seem very consistently Oa positive. Um, and I was just going kind of going through Data Golf's uh, event by event uh, breakdown. But Berger, he stung me a, a few times recently. The, the the thing I worry about, and, and you know, I'm just looking at his U.S. Open record here. He does have a sixth place. Uh, I would guess that's 2018. Um, I, I just feel like, t- to me, so his U.S. Open record, a single missed cut. He's got a 28th, 37th, 6th, 49th, and 34th. I just feel like I kind of expect Berger likely will make the cut, but I, I, I don't see as much top tw- top 10, top 20. And yeah. maybe that's maybe that's me. Um I, I, I don't think I'm going to get there, personally. He does have three top 20s in the last four events, though. Yeah. He is playing... He's, his approach is actually really good. He's gained over a stroke in those three events, too. His approach is, is actually really, really good. But he might be a good contrarian as well, but he didn't make my, my list. Yeah, it, this is where I struggle with Berger, because, like... You know, he had two straight top 15s going into the PGA Championship, and then he was 75th. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay, 8Ks, going into 7Ks. 
Okay, who did we talk about for 7Ks here? So we already talked about Paul Casey, Kokrak, Neiman, Adam Scott, Bezaden Out, Stuart Sink, Ryan Palmer. All those guys were either on our pick show or a sleeper show, and we kind of talked about them at length there. Uh, so we don't have to go back to those guys. Anyone else uh, in this range, Craig, that you ha- you're keeping an eye on? Yeah, for sure. Uh, Shane Lowry. And I, I don't think I'm unique in this. He's 7,600. Um, mm-hmm. You just have to love what he's done recently. Um, let me let me find the numbers here. So his last, let's call it four starts to start here. Sixth Stop. at Memorial. Yeah. Fourth at the PGA. He was 65th at Wells Fargo. Not great. Ninth at, at uh, RBC Heritage. Yeah. Um, even before that, 21st at the Masters. Like, it's just been really, really good for a while. Uh, popularity with Shane Lowry, though, is what I worry about. Yeah, I, I think he could creep into the top five, top eight highest guys owned. He's kind of that um, guy being talked about across DFS circles as the one to throw in for in this mid-sevens range. Throw in Lowry or throw in Kokrak. Um, but for good reason, obviously. His approach has been really good. Um Around the green, he's usually pretty solid. Putting's been pretty solid. Yeah, I mean, major experience. Check. Couple top tens at the U.S. Open. A smattering of not great finishes. Um, he has been seventh and thirteenth at Torrey Pines. Um, a missed cut as well. So you know you, you got a little bit of all of it with Lowry, but it just kind of feels like he's a player who, in bigger tournaments, is is showing up with his best stuff. Yeah. So as we and head down, as we, as we always like to mention, reigning open champion, reigning and still <laughs> reigning open champion. Uh, okay. As we move down here, I, I want to give a shout out, Craig, and I, I want to see your reaction here, but after doing some digging, we get into this area and we're like, do these guys really have a shot to win? Like if they come with their best game, can they win? And there's a guy that is at 7,500 that no one's going to talk about and no one wants to roster. And that's Sergio Garcia. I can see you smirking a little bit. Okay, so he has done absolutely nothing in majors the last four years. I was going to say, uh, do you need me to read off the... <laughs> but as we saw at the player, let's say the players on Thursday, let's just count Thursday, uh, when Sergio Garcia comes with his best stuff, and if these greens are a little bit troublesome for everybody and he just can close his eyes, Sergio Garcia can still be one of the best ball strikers in the world. Yeah, so here, here is the qualifier that you need to put on Sergio Garcia if you're going to bring him up. So since his Masters win in 2017, he has four times made the cut at majors and 11 times missed the cut. So he's four of 15 in terms of <laughs> making the cut. His best finish is 21st. So uh, I, I do hear you. His, his, he, his driver is, I think, the best weapon in his yep, bag. for sure. And... His ball striking can at any times be... He can be the best ball striker in a field. Um, I am staying away from it. I... I you know, uh, you want to play the narrative. I think he, he sold his major soul to the devil <laughs> to win the Masters. And, and that is essentially what he gets. He got his win. He can sleep at night knowing he's got his major win. And uh, he, he's paid the price ever since. But uh, yeah. no, I, I do think... The contrarian aspect of it would be the major attractant for me. Uh, but yeah, so so real quick, positive pretty much off the tee in every single event, positive approach in the last two, positive around the green uh, in the last one. So he's he basically he missed 
of his last five events. He's missed four cuts in a row, then got a top 20 at Charles Schwab. So maybe a tiny bit, uh, an inkling of form. Um, but all I'm saying is, I, I think I got him in 10%, like very, very, very few. But if you want to throw in, you know, Xander and all these popular guys, Finau, Lowry, and then you throw in uh, Sergio Garcia, you could almost, you know, instantly be a little bit unique or, or contrarian. Yeah, for sure. Um, but it's risky. It's not without risk. It's a big red flag. But that does, that's not, that's not my guy to watch out for in this 7K. So I got another guy for you here. Yeah. Harris English. Where is Harris English priced at? 73? Um, yes, 73. Harris English, 7,300. So those trends I was telling you at the top of the show, Craig, 20th, 25th official world golf ranking. Check. Previous 10 or top 10 in previous major. Fourth at Wingfoot. Check. Where he lost that ball. That was harsh, but he rebounded and got a fourth win within the past two years. Check. Century Tournament of Champions. Top 10 within the past five starts. No, but he was in the final group last week at Palmetto. He finished uh, T14, T13 a couple weeks ago at Byron Nelson. So he doesn't have the top 10, but a 13th and a 14th are awfully close. So he's one of these guys, if you do believe in those uh, trends for a, a U.S. Open champion, he he does check them. Yeah, I I hear you. And, you know... I've spoken that I've struggled with trying to figure out who Harris English is, uh, whether he's a golfer we saw last year, and and um, you know really that is him when he puts it all together, and we've kind of seen him battling a back injury in the early part of the year here, or or whether that was just him um, mm-hmm. kind of at the highest highest streak, everything's everything's yeah. clicking for a little while. Here, two, two more things for Harris. He's positive in every stroke skiing category. I forget if that's for the season or for the year, but positive, no real glaring weaknesses with his game. Uh, he's played Torrey Pines nine times. He's been poor recently. He has been poor recently, but eighth in 2018, 14th in 2017, and second in 2015. So he does have good history here if you look at the complete picture. Mm-hmm. And no missed cuts at the U.S. Open before. Um, d- you know, Aside from the fourth, though, 37th would be his best finish but still yeah. no missed cuts so that's something um it, it, it's tough to know tough to know what to do with harris english for me yeah it it's it, when you get into this range they're all a little bit unnerving but uh okay a little bit okay with, i mean he's with, someone that if i were to say right now i would say that he doesn't have top five upside but he was fourth last time at a u.s open so um he was also you know his, his form going into that was different than i think it is now uh, yeah so, I mean, just general going through the rosters, I think there's that 81 to 79 tier two I really like with Usti, Cam Smith, Paul Casey, and then kind of from 77, call it to, I'm going to, I'm going to call it like right at 71 or 7,000. I think that that's another kind of pocket there. And then actually pretty sharp drop off. Like, where do you think the drop off is where you want to kind of limit the bottom, most of your kind of lineups at yeah i I mean to me it's the low sevens i don't know where exactly uh i don't think i'm gonna have a ton of plays i I, to me it feels sort of like 74 73 72 and then below that there's a drop off um but i I think there's a lot of to me that's where it's going to be made or broken unless you've gone super balanced and super balanced worked out works out uh super balance also has tons of ownership typically so you know there's a reason 
these guys at you know Matt Fitzpatrick answer Paul Casey in the high sevens there's a reason that those guys will all have high ownership it's because everyone thinks they're a little bit safer than having to go down deeper um I, it is interesting though. I think the seventy-two hundred to seven thousand range is going to differentiate the winner, the millie maker, whatever the winner. Because you got there's so many different ways you could go here. There's so many veterans. You got the Coochers, the Hoffmans. You have the young stars, Bez. You have Hagel. Grace has been playing well. Stuart Sink, uh, Matt Wall, Streelman, Molinari, Ortiz, Palmer. Like there's so much here. You and know, then you've one got of them. Absolute wild card in Matthew Wolf. Who was <laughs> second last time? Or did he end up finishing second? Usti was so. right there too. Yeah, yeah. Um, but who, who, you know, based on on the fit, yeah, he was second. Um, you would think is is a perfect, uh, you know, player to be picking at seventy two hundred in this field. But this is where, to me, once you get, I feel like it's a little bit safer at the seventy five, seventy four, seventy three. Maybe some of the guys in 72, but then you get to like people who I think have legit upside, but mm -hmm. they have, you get way more miscut uh, potential. Yeah, more miscut, but I, there's definitely going to be someone in the 72, 71, 7,000 with a top 10. Um, it's just about finding that right person, I feel like. And I mean, I already told you it's going to be Charles Schwartz also. <laughs> <laughs> Don't know about that one. A any other sort of really interesting ones down there that you, uh, you think are worth a, a chat? No, but uh, I mean, maybe tease for a live show, but I, I'm skewing more veteran down yeah. here than I think, uh, still with a little sprinkle of the South African phenoms. Um, oh, so you're, you're going to be on Higo? I think I got a little bit of Higo. Uh, it's just, it, it's going to be tough with ownership, I think. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Like I, that's, I, 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 love, I love the price, um, which is funny because... When he was the same price going into the PGA, I thought it was ridiculous, but or or a similar. I don't know. He might have even been seventy five going into the PGA. It was high, whatever it was. He's proved himself stateside now. He has proved himself stateside. Okay, so so six Ks. Six Ks. I am basically trying to avoid here. I think you need a mini miracle for these guys to top twenty. Let's say. I mean, even a top ten would be extremely good here a top 20 is kind of where my expectations would be with any of the guys down here um so yeah i i am i'm very much trying to avoid the six gays i think it just comes with a ton of question marks and i think if you try to force one in you have to be prepared for that miscut yeah i mean there's not a whole lot of people that came out of nowhere to get top 10s last us open um probably i'm just looking at, at to the things here i don't have the prices but zach johnson was likely the lowest uh right. lowest priced person um oh, okay let me i mean let's go down a little bit so wilco's interesting because he bombs it i think a little bit cameron young won a couple of events uh i think back to back on the corn ferry tour so uh, that's definitely an interesting name. Jonathan Vegas has been playing well, played well recently last week. Lonto, who always seems to be a DFS darling down low. Yeah, Lonto at 68 is going to get eyes, I think, for sure. Um, Victor Perez. Wyndham Clark can push it out on the tee. That's interesting. Oh, and then, okay, three guys I want to bring up, but I don't think I'll get there at all, but I bet you one of them at least makes a cut. Justin Sa, your boy. We have Sahith Gala. And we have Akshay Batia. 
yeah the three the three sort of franchise mode rookies that you want to stake for the future <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, all that in franchise mode for sure you got to feel like one of them's making the cut i think you never know but uh but there's talent i think that's that's the bottom line is there's tons of talent there it's just a matter of of whether that talent can translate into results at a u.s open uh, this week let's do this pick one from those three oh i'd have to look you know if i'm picking one first. okay i'll go i'll go sahitha gala uh local guy has been playing this course ever since he could swing a club so he has tons tons of experience here i think he's a little bit older actually like i think he's 23 20 he's an old he's an old like he he does full college yeah he did i think he was at pepperdine got you know all the three big awards there um yeah, got in from the qualifier. I think he's going to be some. He's one of my boys as well on our uh, preview pod before the season. Uh, someone that's going to be doing really well here on the PGA over the next in the next couple of years, I hope. Um, but I like his fit, and I like the fact that he's familiar with his course. And I think of those three, he might be the the most slept on. Yeah, I. You know, I it's really tough to to feel like I I want to say this guy's going to make the cut, but I got to go with Akshay Akshay Batia. What are we getting them at 64 or something? I don't even remember what the price is. Um, it's low. Yeah, it's down there. And and you know what? He's missed two cuts in a row. Uh, I'm just looking at PGA numbers here, so I don't even know uh, with mm-hmm. any other starts uh, what he might have had. But, um, you know, 30th at Pebble Beach. We saw him him play, uh, what? 18 was that for the, 18. Yeah, 18 for regulation. regulation. The, the, um, he's young. The potential is there. He kind of, if everything clicks, I think he has all of the pieces. And so it's, it's you know, I, I, I really any of these guys are, are, to me, long shots to make the cut. Huge but, long shots. Yep. But I would say Akshay is the one that I would, I would stake at whatever odds you can get him at a cut make. Interestingly with Akshay, uh, he doesn't have any Corn Ferry starts on official world golf ranking. So he hasn't been uh, dropping down or playing other events. He's just been trying to qualify, I think, for these PGA events. Yeah. Interesting. Okay, um, but with all that, player well, of interest. Yeah, okay. player of interest to me, uh, I got EVR, 6,700. I don't know for sure if I'm going to play make any plays in the 6Ks, but mm-hmm. that would be one that is interesting to me. Uh, you know, we spoke about him. I think he was a showdown pick for it. Oh, no, he might have been a tournament long. He's, he's my sleeper Yeah, last week. He's so, actually on our picks. I had him 100 to 1. There you go. Um, someone we, you know, we obviously saw the blow up at the PGA Championship where he he destroyed a uh, a T marker and yep. and uh, you know endangered the the you know was was not necessarily in control of his golf club or 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 yep. himself uh, throughout the process. Um, but then you know he had a really good qualifier to get in here. Yes. I think he had a good tournament this past week. Uh, so he is someone that to me has the chops he's he's competed in strong fields before so mm-hmm. i would say that that would be the one person that as opposed to some of these guys who are a little bit i mean first off we've got some who obviously they've competed in strong like henrik stenson yes he has the chops yeah. he he has done it he's a little bit more in the wilderness with his game um but then evr's down there with a lot of kind of journeyman um pga pros that i i don't you know maybe they have a a single time they're going to get a, a major uh top 10 but yeah. evr to me we've already seen him i want to say it was wgc's where where we've seen him kind of pop a little bit more but um yeah that would be mine yeah and he has he has a fairly good uh major record i think i brought him up before the pga championship uh scrolling down here he's got 
one miscut, which was the PGA. But besides that, he's been eighth at the PGA, uh, 23rd, 43rd Open, two top 20s at the, sorry, the US Open and then two top 20s at the Open. So um, yeah, and then the third uh, WGC Championship. So yeah, he plays tough courses and tough fields well. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he did have a good finish. I think he will be a little bit popular this week in terms of the high 6K kind of guys. The one I'm looking at here, and I think the lowest I'm going to go is Patrick Rogers. I'm going to take a shot at at 6,500. So Patrick Rogers is 28th in driving distance on the year. He's played Farmers Insurance, Torrey Pines six times. He's missed four cuts, but when he did make the cut, he's been fourth and ninth. So if he makes a cut, he he does play this course well. Um, but this is a guy in the six case. Um, with those 10 rounds on Tory South, he has a plus 1.21 strokes gain total average. So he plays the course really well. He's a Stanford guy, and I think he just plays better. If you look kind of through his yearly annual kind of finishes, he plays better on the West Coast. Uh, he seems to putt better on Poa. You can push it out there. I think he's worth a few few lineups to throw in if you want to get a couple stars up top yeah i mean it is definitely i mean you you have to find things to grasp onto i think down in this range uh he was 12th at the genesis uh yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's good (laughs) he did gain almost all his strokes putting but you know the essentially if it goes in the hole it goes in the hole i don't care how you do it yeah exactly (laughs) I, i i don't know and this is where I struggle because I don't know if uh, I'm going to make any plays. Even even EVR, I don't know if I'm going to be plugging them in. Um, I just really think to me, there's the quality that you're getting rated right even at seven flat. Um, yep. I just feel like there's a drop off there. Well, I, I completely agree. That's why I think seven flat. You got the Bobby Max, you got the Polters, you got the Schwartzel. I think is right there. One of you guys. Um, I'll give it a little tease if people are listening this long into the podcast. But for our live show, um, I yeah, I built all my lives. I got two plays in the sixes. EVR and Patrick Rogers, ten percent. Oh, there you go. <laughs> I liked them. I like. I like. I was going with EVR. EVR is my boy anyway, so I was going there. Yeah. So, I, and I guess that's a good, you know, that's a good tease as well. All these ones that I'm waffling on and saying, ah, maybe I'll do this. I'm going to be making my lineups tonight. So, uh, Wednesday night live show, as always, 9.30 Eastern, 6.30 Pacific um, on YouTube. Yeah. We will be going through all of our plays and kind of discussing the whole field, Q&A, whatever people want to do. Um, Probably a little bit quicker through the field because we do have this podcast as well. Hopefully more of a Q&A if people bring with their questions, either ors, that kind of thing. Um, yeah. Yep. Go for a long we ever want to go for. How long yep. people are asking questions. Uh, yeah. Pilot episode went well for this preview or for this type of show. This is our second episode. I think we're getting renewed for a couple more. I don't know. Got to see what the executives. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see what the executive producers, the showrunners think. Um, we'll have to. Yeah, we'll have to wait and see whether whether we get the contract. The might have to, might have to recast. Not. It's going to be a. Uh, you know, I, I like <laughs> yeah. the format. I, I don't know. I think I don't think, know if we've nailed our cast yet. <laughs> yeah, I got, we got to get this guy out. We'll try someone new in here. Uh, thank you for listening. Uh, thank you for watching. If you're on YouTube, if you're on YouTube, help us support the podcast. Go over, subscribe to our podcast, rate it, give that five star review it there as well. That really does help. Um, we know a lot of you guys are loyal on YouTube, but we do want to see that uh, podcast as well. Um, anything else to add here, Craig? No, I'm, uh, yeah, I'm excited for the U.S. Open and uh, excited to make some lineups here today. (laughs) Yeah. Thank you, everybody, for listening and take care. All right. See you guys.